Chapter Seventeen of Two Sides to Every Question by Maud Jean Frank. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. Chapter Seventeen Bitter Disappointment. The how? A puzzling question for many to answer, to those who know anything of financial difficulties, but the question had to be answered. Delta knew well enough. There was only one way left to him, a way he hated for itself from which his whole nature rebelled but to which he had more than once lately had to betake himself he shivered all over at the thought of committing his dear home relics into sacrilegious hands from which he might never be able to redeem them he could have pledged his watch but its absence might provoke remark or inquiry at least so in his sensitive condition he thought so closing the door upon him he slowly opened his desk and turned out its few remaining treasures treasures with which the touch of loving hands the murmur of tender voices seemed still connected a long hair chain linked here and there with bright bits of chased gold and suspended therefrom a golden anchor cross and seal his mother's hair was wrought in that chain before the silver had stolen in amidst its chestnut brown he could not let that go her gift to him at parting this ring yes it must be Katie would never know how his utter necessity had made him pledge her loving offering, yet its single diamond glittered at him in rebuke. He laid it on one side for sacrifice. It cost him a still greater pang as he drew from his box a costly church service in velvet and chased gold with a jewelled clasp. It was a relic of a dead sister, whose memory he cherished as a precious home treasure, and yet he knew she would rather have helped him in his heavy need than suffer him to keep this memento of her sweet young life and want he knew she would still it was with a deep sigh that he wrapped it up in its silver paper and taking the ring went slowly down the stairs and out into the night to obtain upon them the loan which circumstances rendered it imperative that he should possess at once it may only be for a few days i may then be able to redeem all he sighed to himself but the sigh seemed very hopeless his errand was easily accomplished leaving his treasures in hands that esteemed them only for their money value he returned home with ample means for releasing himself from all monetary obligations to mrs delany and relieved of that incubus he threw himself upon his bed and slept till early morning uneasily enough dreams of past days disturbing his slumber through which the loving voice of his mother breathed low and sweet or his sister's merry laughter rang all these were accompanied by the music of that other voice which had power to change the whole current of his existence the tones of which only came now in sleep and that but seldom sleep like this full of troubled dreams the fruit of a weary fevered brain brings no refreshment with it it is but a dreary living over of the past the body is indeed at rest but the mind is all too active and the brain gains nothing by the more recumbent posture or closed eyes so he giveth his beloved sleep how beautifully do these words speak of rest to the mind as well as to the body cares hushed anxieties silenced peace bestowed peace that only one can give such sleep as that poor arthur delta needed he rose unrefreshed with early morning and began collecting the different articles round his room and packing them away in his boxes it was not a long task yet he went about it in feverish haste as though he had but limited time to accomplish it in 
not indeed in his ordinary neat and careful manner but thrusting shirts and coats and vests all one upon another a very chaos of confusion as if the one necessary thing was to cram the boxes and turn the key upon their contents poor fellow his head was aching terribly but he went on and on till his trunks were ready for removal consulting his watch he found it still wanted a few minutes to six and lying down upon his cool pillow he sank this time into dreamless slumber sleeping on and on till a loud knock at his door came to summon him to breakfast but little better for his sleep and utterly loathing food he turned away from his breakfast and concluded his business with mrs delany who was even more than usually gracious in her manner extremely solicitous about his health and urgent that he should consult a doctor at which last advice he merely smiled you will find my trunks ready bridget he said in passing out placing half a sovereign in the girl's hard palm i will send for them by and by i wish you a happy return to old ireland and plenty of good fortune there he added with a faint smile thank you for all your attention to me and it's myself mr delta dear that's sorry you's goin good luck to you sir and a good fortune and the best of everything to the fore and here's hoping you will soon be well bridget honest bridget with the tears standing in her grey eyes was the last inmate of clement house that delta ever saw her sympathy was a kindly memory for many a day tom alton in a cool fresh suit was already at his desk when arthur delta turned into his uncle's office and hung up his hat on its accustomed peg it was another pleasant morning pleasant for its breezes though the temperature was high arthur did not take his usual seat at his own desk but went into his uncle's particular sanctum which was especially inviting and cool and throwing himself into the large armchair placed there for mr clinton's delectation poured out a large libation from the water-cooler which was constantly kept replenished and taking the morning paper began eagerly searching for mining news he had given tom a word in passing telling him he had taken his adieu of clement house leaving his boxes all ready to be fetched away when sent for so now tom he continued with a ghost of a smile if your mother at the last refuses to take me in i have no home to go to no fear of that mr delta mother will be glad to have you said tom heartily and if you could only get a few days rest from the office i'm sure it would do you good he ventured to add with a rather alarmed look at the pale face and the wild unrestful eyes rest he returned rather bitterly i don't want rest and he went off to his seat in his uncle's room and the newspaper soon becoming absorbed in its contents so many companies and according to the prospectuses all so flourishing the difficulty was to know which was the one the one most likely to prove successful arthur had felt so confident when he embarked in the same venture as his uncle and was bitterly disappointed when it turned out a flush in the pan for there were two sides even to mr clinton's prosperity loss as well as gain only in his case it was of comparatively little consequence he could afford to lose while loss to arthur was ruin yet as with play there was no standing still even with him something must be done to liquidate the debt already incurred but what that was a hard question even while that question was solving he heard himself inquired for and the next moment the friend whose loan was causing him so much anxiety walked quietly into the office well delta how are you old fellow he exclaimed heartily what's the matter ain't you well 
the headache that's all it's fearfully hot think so i was under the impression that you were pleasantly cool here well he added after a rather awkward pause i suppose you know what i've come for can you manage to let me have that money back today i'm confoundedly hard up and need it for a special purpose Dalton turned a shade paler and grasped the back of the chair against which he was standing i'm sorry you want it now bennett he replied in a low voice for i've had no return yet and don't know where at present to get the money well you see there's a heavy call on the wheel ellen Delta knew that to his cost and i should not like my shares there to lapse for want of responding for i believe that mine is no sell you have shares in it have you not yes a few having to pay up the calls on those few was one of his troubles poor fellow then there's a splendid chance in a new venture continued bennett the lady anne is cutting up magnificently i wouldn't miss that for anything there are rich specimens of copper cropping out on all sides the men struck a fine load directly there's no gammon about it i was led into the thing by an old chum of mine so if you can manage that money delta i'll secure you a few shares if you like though they are almost all taken up already when do you want it said delta with an effort to appear calm no time like the present laughed bennett but i suppose that is out of the question well to-morrow about noon i can manage the payment of the shares till then but don't fail me delta if in any way i can obtain the money i will said arthur huskily you must dear fellow you must ask your uncle mr clinton's rolling in money he'd never refuse you anyhow delta i really must have the money then and with a careless nod he hurried off little conscious of the heavy heart he had left behind him money money is it a blessing or a curse like everything else it has its two sides it may prove either the one or the other a blessing bringing with it all good gifts smoothing the pathway and making sad and weary hearts joyous by what it brings but a curse when loved over well when cherished too fondly when craved inordinately when desired only to consume upon the lust it was not however with its possession but with its want arthur delta was contending his need was imperative and the probability alas of obtaining a mere chimera his uncle was rolling in riches truly but that was of but little benefit to him he was absent too but even had he been at home he could scarcely have summoned up courage to apply for his assistance for he had been in heavy straits before and had never even hinted his need but a new thought occurred to him what if lily had the money money of her own and would lend him some for a time he sprang up from the desk with the thought he could but try and it was easier to ask her than her father for she was kinder to think with him was to act there were two things at stake his friend's interests and his own a few shares in that lucky mine might retrieve his fallen fortunes and send him on his way triumphant why not why should she refuse him she was always pleasant and good-natured to him he wondered he had never thought of applying to her before another twenty minutes had transpired he had arranged his work borrowed the horse of the principal clerk who always rode into business from his little suburban snuggery among the hills and was off to the park fearfully hot in that blazing sun its rays seemed to beat down on his head with strange power but as he rode swiftly along the breeze came soothingly to his heated brow whenever he could he chose the shadow of the trees or of the high firs hedges that skirted the road 
but the sun had parched up the grass by the wayside and but for those never-fading dear old gum-trees trees we must love even in their uncouth ungraceful forms for their constancy all the year through or for those unfailing hedgerows for much of the way there would have been nothing green to refresh the weary sight not so when he drew nearer the park long before he reached it he could discern glimpses of its cool white columns enclosed in rich and varied foliage the contributions of many lands as he entered the large gates and rode through the avenue of mingled branches a sadder chill ran through his veins a memory of elsie of that last time he had spent there a doubt and a great fear the last time the last time it seemed like a dirge in his ears not as a memory of that evening's parting but as a prophecy of the future how beautiful it all looked the trees with their varied tints the carefully tended bed of flowers the soft trickle of two or three fountains whose silvery showers fell with a musical murmur into marble basins what delicious evenings he had passed during those few rare months of his first colonial life under the soft shadow of the trees with his cousins oblivious to everything but the present happiness unmindful of results the elysium of those evenings came over him like a blank what was he now an exile poor and in debt possessing no right to claim the love for which he yearned he hated himself for his non-success yet at the same time he deeply pitied himself and of all things self-pity is the saddest turning to the right and leaving his horse at the stables he slowly walked back in the direction of the house as he passed the greenhouse he could not help turning in to inhale its sweets all was lovely as ever the soft murmur of the waters the rich incense of the flowers the sweet songs of the canaries yet one thing was wanting the fairy presence without which even the rare beauty of blossom and incense failed to charm he sat a moment on the low cool lounge where elsie often whiled away the hours with a book a volume was still lying just under the cushion a mere frivolous novel elsie read little else as we know but between the leaves still marking the place where she last read was a stem of white jasmine crushed and faded yet a memento of her presence he greedily seized it and hid it among the leaves of his pocket-book poor fellow he had better have thrown it far from him this was a disagreeable business to-day only his great need could induce him to go through with it his great need ah what was he to do if he could not get the money bennett's debt the call on his own shares and this new mine he sprang up from his seat trembling from illness but determined on seeing lily at once he stood on the broad piazza where he and elsie had last parted her last cold words flashing to his memory of course i shall not forget you besides i am coming back soon that seemed months ago he rang the bell how quiet it was everywhere he had not met a creature the very stable was deserted where were all the servants again he rang there was a sound of footsteps in the hall now and the door was presently opened by one of the housemaids whose pleased smile showed that she recognized arthur oh mr delta they're all out didn't you know sir mrs and miss lily are at port elliot and not a coming home till the end of the week i'm so sorry there's nobody at home but me and mary won't you come in sir no thank you jane i must go back to town at once i wanted to see miss lily but never mind 
and he turned slowly back to the stables with a languid weary air the girl standing with the door in her hand looked after him in blank dismay he looks that ill mary she said when she returned to the kitchen did you see him he's that altered it quite frightened me something's up i'm sure and certain he turned as white as a sheet when i said miss lily wasn't at home it's my opinion he's only just heard of miss elsie's marriage that is to be and had come to know the rights of it i always said he wanted her himself and i'm sure by the way miss elsie carried on you would have thought she loved him too anyhow he do look dreadful that comes of being poor said mary with a sniff no one's of no account that's poor in this place End of chapter 17